Listeners, if you love getting cash back like I do, then you've got to get the Get Upside app right now. Get cash back on your everyday purchases without changing anything about how you shop or live. You'll pay however you normally do with a credit card or debit card, and cash back will be deposited directly to your GetUpside account. There's no limit on how much you can earn. GetUpside even works with other coupons, discounts, and loyalty programs. First, you claim your offer. Find local offers on everything from gasoline to restaurants and everything in between. Second, you spend. You shop as you would at your favorite spots around town. Third, check in or scan receipts. Check in to log your purchase, and you'll be on your way. Finally, get rewards. Earn cash back and cash out whenever you want via PayPal, e-gift card, or check. It's just that simple. I love coffee, and I get mine for free just by earning cash back from GetUpside. Download the app and get started getting your cash back today. Click on the link in the description of this episode to get started. Welcome to the Gridiron Stud Show. Chad Wilson and Emil Calamino here with you. It is NFL playoff time. College football is over. When I say over, I mean the on-the-field stuff. Now the fun really starts, Emil. <laughs> we get into the offseason where there is a transfer portal. There's NIL deals. There are guys that are going to be richer on that college football field than the guys that are on the NFL football, the professionals. We got the college guys making more than the professionals. We'll get more to that later on in the show. But anyway, if this is your first time here, go ahead and hit the subscribe button on whatever you're using to listen to us on. For our YouTube audience, you should already be a subscriber to my channel if you aren't. Somehow that slipped your mind. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button now and the bell so you're notified the next time a video is put out there. All right. um, Social media-wise, we have the Gridiron Stud Show page on Facebook. We would really ask that you guys go there, follow us there on the show if you haven't already. Got a decent amount of follows there, but we'd ask that you head over there to the Gridiron Stud Show Facebook page. I'll have a link to it in the description, by the way. You guys go ahead and check us out over there and do become a subscriber. Um, Chad, by the way, before you go any further, anyone who's not following us cost themselves a lot of money last weekend. We'll get to that. They absolutely <laughs> did. Um, both of us were really good last week. One was better than the other, but you no know, winning weeks for both of us. Yes. Like I said, we'll talk about that on the show. So we've got some things to get into here today, Emil. Well, I mean, before we go, we're, this show is mainly going to go NFL because we're in the middle of the season. No use staying off the field when we have a whole offseason to go off the field. But you can't get away from this story if you're a college football fan. I find it astonishing as a guy in our age group sitting here talking about a kid, Jaden Rashada, decommitted from the University of Miami late in the process, signed with Florida, uh, allegedly decommitted from Miami because of the quote unquote poor season they had. Then it turns out he had a four year, 13 million. That sounds like an NFL contract for a a backup running back. Uh, Four year, $13 million NIL deal lined up with the Gator Collective, whatever that is. And that fell through. So now he's asked for a release from his letter of intent to Florida, he's headed back to California. He's a California guy, number 27 kid in the ESPN class this year in the ESPN 300. Back to California to figure out what he wants to do because he's not getting $13 million from the University of Florida. If you were listening to this story, Chad, in the year, say, 1995, 
you would think it was a, an onion story, right? That I made it up. Yes, certainly. And someone was going to get the death penalty. But that's this is the new college football that exists for us, whether you like it, whether I like it. Um, I know the players like it. And I know the parents of players in this position like it. So, you know, kudos to them. Uh, I'm going to just have to adapt, Emil, because this is not going to go away. And I know what is going to happen are more stories like this to come down the road because you're going to have teams writing checks that they can't cash, so to speak. And that's essentially what's happened here from what I've been able to gather from this story. Some promises were made to this young man. And Emil, like I said, this is the world that we're living in. So, you know, if you're landing players based on these promises, well, then you've got to follow through on it. And it seems either the Gator Collective did not have the amount of money that was promised <laughs> or someone came to the conclusion that a kid who is not yet suited up in pads or stood behind a line or taken a hit from an Alabama defensive end or thrown a pass in college football should not get a $13 million. The ins and outs of that, I don't exactly know. I did happen to read the story on The Athletic, so it was definitely – you know, well, interesting to read this. the timeline. From, from a team building perspective, I don't see how this model works. Because if you're a kid, let's say you weren't a big time recruit in, in terms of NIL, you went to Florida, you've played two years now, and now you, you know, you've earned your bones. You're a really good player. Mm -hmm. You're a guard or something. You don't you don't have an NIL deal. Nobody wants to give an NIL deal to the right offensive guard. Let's let's say that or at least an NIL deal of this magnitude. How does this help in team? Like, how does it you build a team? A kid comes in, like you just said, never through a pass, and, and, and he's getting $3 million plus a year? Honestly, Emil, here's what I think is going to happen, all right? I'm going to take my long-in-the-tooth hat off, and I'm going to say in the early years here, it's going to be a problem. And the rumors were this was a really big problem at Miami and Texas A&M this past year. Um Kind of makes sense in both of those places. You know, Texas A&M was trying to be bold. Miami had a brand new head coach who was trying to make some waves. You have to do something down here in Miami. So I think in early going, it's going to be a problem as we have the last bit of the non-NIL players on the roster working their way through and graduating. And I think for the rest, as as we go along, it's going to be um, it's going to be what they were born into it's going to be what it is that they know and they i think i think the players are going to adapt i think i'm hoping that's what's going to happen and what it's going to end up being like amel is the guy it's going to end up being like stars granted we're actually talking about money they can buy things like financial security and keep the lights on and buy cars yeah. and everything else but I think it's going to end up to a certain degree being like the star system so I was a three star coming in and another guy's coming in behind me. He's a five-star. He's probably getting more opportunities, more hype, et cetera, et cetera. But if I'm the three-star and I'm the lower NIL guy or the guy without an NIL deal, my focus is on winning the job by having the performance that you can't undo what it is that I'm doing on the field. So true, I don't have an NIL deal. And this guy behind me has a big NIL deal, just like the guys have the big five-stars. I'm going to put my focus into um, getting the job done on the field, whether it's quarterback, whatever the position is. And I'm just going to have to mentally block out the fact that the kid pulled up in the latest sports car or the latest um, SUV sitting on rims 
And I'm going to have to, there's well, nothing I can do about that. I'm going to have to put let my me focus ask you on this. what's do happening you on the think field. As this, as this whole process matures, that teams in general, especially what we programs that don't necessarily need to buy as many players per se, do you think they'll get smarter with allocating the money? In other words, like, yeah, no matter what you tell me about this kid, he could be a five-star, but we're not paying this kid that much money to come here. That much I don't have much confidence in happening uh, for this reason. All of these coaches are under pressure in the recruiting world. So I just think the pressure of recruiting and having to land the top recruits, having to land a a five-star, a top five guy, a top 10 guy is going to be what causes the demand in the market. And if we're, this is year two, I believe, of the NIL. I think so, yeah. If we're at 13 million for four years in year two, (laughs) this could get absolutely astronomical. Perhaps there'll come a point where, you know, we just say, okay, this is ridiculous. You know, an NFL quarterback that just took his team to the playoffs is making $50 million. Are we going to have college kids making that amount of money? I hope somewhere in here, logic maybe takes over. That's hard to say in college football because logic's not a big part of the recruiting no. game. But I'm I'm hoping that that's what happens. And someone says, "Hey, this is out of control," or we have enough teams win championships or be consistent in the college football playoffs that aren't really engaging on that. Because word on the street is that Georgia, who's now the new boss in college football, according to David Pollack, and what we've seen on the field is not really dishing out big money for 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 freshmen, uh, incoming recruits. They're obviously in a position to do that. But if that becomes the model, then that's what everyone's going to copy. And I hope that's what happens. I hope because, you know, at some point, I could deal with a little bit of this where, you know, guys were getting some money to be on a bulletin board or a ticket or, you know, whatever. But when you start getting into this kind of money, it's doing exactly what what we talked about over the last few years. And what I kind of coined the phrase is semi-pro football. That's really what we've turned it into. So using the word college football in front of these big power five schools is probably not accurate anymore. It's it's essentially semi-pro football. So Yeah, we're in a whole new era. Yeah. Uh, I mean, even if we just step outside of NIL, there have been more changes, I think drastic changes over the last five or six years than the previous 20 to 30 years. Oh, maybe even more than 20 to 30 years. If you think about it, what changed much between say 1950 and the year 2000? Not a ton. I mean, compared to what we've seen. I think if we go back and look, there probably were some drastic changes, especially in the rules of the game. And well, maybe you had to hold the guy on the ground when you tackled him before. You... <laughs> yeah, well, I, I mean, you one. probably could tackle a guy by his face mask in 1950 yeah. if they had face masks, but no, just the way rosters are created, yeah. uh, the rules, there have been drastic changes that have forced people to adapt. And it's going to be hardest for people like you and I, who are college football purists, who did the New Year's Day thing. Um, you know, my thing was to bake a whole thing of Pillsbury cookies and watch the New Year's Day bowl games. And at the time, I want to say there were only 15 or 16, maybe 18 bowl games. We're far past that number. Oh, yeah. Anybody who didn't get to live in our era really missed out, I think. I mean, I'm glad we were. New Year's Day was a a second Super Bowl if you were a football fan. I mean, it was like. I mean, damn near Christmas. It it really was. Yeah, it is. It it is what it is now. I just, I think there's going to be some adapting going on. And I do think at some point, logic will work its way in there because you 
we're getting dangerously close. Like I said, two years in and the kid's making 13 mil. And then I'm hearing the kid from Tennessee uh, making $8 million a year to sign with Tennessee. I've been told by credible sources that you can't believe all those numbers that are being put out there. I, I think I think a lot of it is, you know, sources. We get all these nobody i'm believing the rashada deal though because that number is just getting thrown around a lot oh yeah and and let's face it he's not going there so obviously it it was more than a couple bucks that he was promised i mean yeah it it was some serious money i I mean you you sit here and you you look at this as as a fan and someone trying to apply some logic and willing to uh, adapt like i said us to a degree i can understand i mean i'm not for it but i can understand some of it but when you start getting into the stratosphere of numbers we're talking about for kids that never played a down of college football. Again, I'm like you, the word is logic. I hope the logic takes over. We can only hope the players now, I mean, they're already facing venom because of social media, but it's, it's going to, it's going to increase obviously uh, because of the salaries. Now I can't believe I'm saying that in conjunction with college. Well, I mean, Pete fans, no longer consider you an amateur athlete. So they're going to treat you like they treat a pro athlete. Hey, you're making $3 million a year. Yeah. The performance has to be there. Complete the passes. (laughs) Yeah. uh, You know, you need to go 18 of 21, 262 yards. And then of course guys are betting on these games. So, you know, (laughs) when a kid comes up short of a number and he's getting money, yeah, well, here's the thing, you know, it's funny, we, we took that whole offseason story with the dust up, uh, you know, with Saban and, 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 the, and the whole thing at A&M with Fisher. Yeah, well, it proves it, it turns out Saban was right. OK, they essentially paid for their class. Saban's not wrong very often when it comes to these off the field things. And he's tried to warn college football and college football fans all along the way with all these changes that have happened. Yes. He said that in several of them, they're not good for college football. I'm just telling you that they're not, but if we're not going to do anything about it and I'm continuing to coach at Alabama and I'm, and, and it's a results oriented business, I'm going to move forward with what it is you guys. Well, I'm going to play by your rules. I don't, and I'm going to do rules. it better than anyone right. else. Just be prepared for that. I don't want to hear any crying later on. And this is just another but one Fisher took real exception with Saban and Saban was not lying. So I'm, you know, it's actually funny. Look at all the transfers coming out of A&M after this past season. I mean, I know my team, Southern Cal just signed one of their five-star freshmen, Anthony Lucas, a, 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 you know, a big recruit coming out of high school. He left AM and I saw, I mean, I think they have 20 guys or something, some crazy thing. That would suggest, and there's a, there's a number out there. Um, I'm going to see if I can find it. They did list the number one, uh, the order of schools with the most defections on there. So uh, I'm going to see if I can find that before we're, we end our discussion here. But it's kind of obvious now that there were some team chemistry issues there brought on most likely by NIL deals. Um, and etc. And it's not always money, Emil. There's things like getting a player an apartment, a car, or doing certain things for parents. All of that's been lumped in. Now it was always happening, but now it's legal more set more so. And now because it's legal, it's more public. And now the other players will know. They could speculate in the past, but now there's more of a definite answer on what it is that's happening. And yes, it can ruin team chemistry. Well, I'm going to pivot like Barry Sanders 
Okay. And he was one of the best. One of the best. Right to the NFL. And I'm going to end this segment saying one thing. Give my man, Reggie Bush, his Heisman back. (laughs) Boy, do you follow Reggie Bush on Twitter? Because he really has gone in um, over the last few months about, uh, you know, he's, he's gone after the commissioner. He's gone after the NCAA. Quite frankly, it was a travesty that they did him like that. But they kind of wanted to make him a poster boy, don't you think? Yeah, they did. And you know what's funny? The the networks and the media have essentially given him his Heisman back because when they talk about USC, they're not even putting stars around it anymore. Like I've heard guys saying that's the eighth Heisman trophy for the university. So they don't even care about the whole. But Reggie Bush's doesn't necessarily count. They're just like, here. I have found, I found this interesting. I think he did go on the show, The Pivot, one of those two shows. Yeah, I saw that. I saw the interview, yeah. And they, and you know, Channing Crowder, I don't know if you knew him as a Dolphin player or Florida player, really a different guy. Yeah. And Reggie Bush was t- detailing the actual time when they came to his house to ask for the Heisman. And Channing Crowder was like, and you gave it to him? Like, yeah, yeah. Like you had it readily available? Like you willingly gave them that? Like, no, nah, I would say it was gone. So it was stolen. I'm, you're not getting it back. Well, Reggie's a really nice guy. And if you listen to that whole interview, he said, listen, I always know I'm going to get it back. Because he said, I knew things that were just flat out false in that investigation mm-hmm. that, you know, that were just not true being said publicly. And, and you know, without getting back into it, Todd McNair won a case against the NCAA one of the USC coaches. So again, we'll pivot. I kind of feel like that alone should probably. Yeah. Know. There's something wrong there. The NCAA should step in at this point and look at the whole, go up on the Hill, like in the lion King, look down at the Valley, realize what you're looking at and say, why are we penalizing a guy who's generally regarded as a good guy? Like give the guys his due. He was one of the greatest ever. We're, we're taught. I'm only pivoting to this because of what we just talked about on this segment. And I think about him and I'm like, give the guys his Heisman back already. I think the NCAA has kind of just said, yeah, you guys keep this. You guys keep this. And, you know, I, I guess what I just did there is not good for our radio, uh, our podcast listeners, but they're kind of been hands off on yeah. this whole deal. And, you know, hey, you know, we took your Heisman, Reggie. We're not really big into trying to get that stuff back for you. So it'd be nice if he did get it back. Yeah. Okay, well, that's enough college football. We have a whole offseason to cover that. We're going to go right to the NFL. Every game last week had a story, uh, you know, and... Yeah, I'm kind of waiting to to get into this thing. Yeah, a couple of them, you know, not not as much. You know, the first game of the week, I'm going to try to go in some sort of order here, was San Francisco, Seattle. And the story for me a little bit there, and not much when you look at the final score, San Francisco won by 18 points, 41-23. But I have to be honest with you. I was kind of surprised. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I, I don't, I don't want to cut into you right quick. I did actually find that. Okay, go ahead. Uh, so most transfers out. Yes. Uh, according to, this is uh, on CFB, which is one, another outfit. I think it's kind of affiliated with 247 Sports. And at Transfer Portal, there's actually a Transfer <laughs> Portal Twitter page and an Instagram page. So you're correct. Texas A&M. Uh, number one. How many? It's good to see them number one in something in the <laughs> yes. country. 27. Oh, I said 20. I was light. Followed by Florida with 22. Arkansas, uh, 22. Arizona, 20. Jackson State. We know the reason there. 18. Miami, 18. Stanford, 17. I would imagine, you know, they know David Shaw's out. So right. there's really, really no chance of winning. 
Cal at 16, Ole Miss 16, Oregon 16, Arizona State 16. And real quick, before I before we take off here, there's a most transfers in at this point in time. And that happens to be, let me give you that. Colorado. Of course. Well, no, not number one. Arizona State, for some odd reason, has 19. Well, they had a lot out. They had a lot out. So they're turning their roster over. Yeah, I guess they knew that was coming. Colorado was two with 16. Michigan State, 13. UCF, 10. Florida State, nine. And, you know, a whole bunch of others in there. So I just wanted to get that number there for you. So Texas A&M leading the nation. Number Folks, one we're in the full, nation. We're full service. We give you everything. You, you come here, we give you even the number of transfers. Good yeah, luck. so back to storylines. Back to storylines in the NFL. The first game, San Francisco, Seattle, you look at the final score, 41-23. No surprise, right? But if you watch the game, and I, maybe you feel differently because I know you're obviously of ties to Geno Smith. Mm. You're a big fan. But I was shocked that Seattle was leading that game at halftime. I know they, you know, they have familiarity third time they play him, but I really didn't think Seattle could put up that amount of points in the first half. Surprised that it they were leading, not too surprised that it would be close. I know that I felt like San Francisco would come out cautious trying to find out how they would be attacked by Seattle this third time. So it, you know, if you're thinking of a boxing match, I knew they'd come out jabbing and waiting and hoping and seeing and yeah. hopefully Seattle reveal their hand. So the second half looked like what I thought it would be. I didn't think Seattle would have a lead, but I, I thought it'd be close. I thought at most San Francisco would have a touchdown lead. And, and then you yourself said, uh, I think after that first drive, after the half, okay, San Francisco is going to take off now. And then they did. Well, yeah, I actually was on our, our group text with your brother, who's a 49er fan. And I said, well, San Francisco, my exact comment was San Francisco ran the ball about four times in a row here. Pretty soon, there's going to open up a huge seam route. And it's going to be it. I, was, sure. I, I hit send. And they sure enough. Touchdown. Yeah, sure enough. You could kind of see that. You thing see coming. it coming. But I'll tell you, the game changed. I mean, to, I'm not sure how that game ends up. I mean, I think San Francisco wins. I'm not sure what score. The game changed on the fumble, strip sack, recovery by Bosa, deep uh, in San Francisco yes. territory. I think it was. And these 20, are the kind of plays that happen in, in playoff games. Yeah, 23-17, I think it was. Right? They had the lead, but Seattle was driving back. Yes. Yes. And that game, from that point forward, the game snowballed out of control. San Francisco went right down the field, did what a good team does, and pretty much took the wind out of Seattle's sails. And like you said, that second half then became what we The floodgates. Expected. Yeah, the floodgates yeah. got open. I think there was a late touchdown by Seattle to yeah. kind of clean up the final score, but it was a it was a, a, a whitewashing in the second. And the right team won that game. I, you know, obviously San Francisco felt like the better team going in throughout the season. Seattle had a good year for a team that traded Russell Wilson. They had a phenomenal draft when you consider Wooten, uh, Kenny Walker coming in this year. I, I mean, I know at our preseason picks, I'm not sure what you had. I did not expect Seattle to be. I did. I was higher on Seattle. Yes, you As a matter of fact, I may be able to pull that up while we're here. Um, there were three divisional matchups in this first week, and all three of the favorites struggled, um, at least for the first half. Yeah. San Francisco, we just talked about, handle things. The other two, they struggled throughout the entire game. Buffalo had a hard time with Miami, mm-hmm. barely won the game. And the Bengals needed a mishap by the Ravens to, to you were you were very come to think of it, you I remember the conversation going back to that show. You were much higher 
on Seattle. I really, I didn't see Seattle doing what they did. So, I mean, I'm, I mean, well, I had the added knowledge of knowing that Geno Smith was yeah. not the, the, the bum he was portrayed as after having gone to the Jets. I knew he was a good quarterback. I've been seeing the kid for years. So uh, I knew there was a good chance he could lead this team. He just had to be mentally right. And it turns out that he was, has a good attitude. And Pete did a good job. Pete did some good coaching. I think Pete, I think Pete had an idea of what kind of team he wanted. And for whatever reason, it wasn't jiving with Russell Wilson. So he just went about getting the team the way that he did. And kudos to Pete. You know, I'm a, I'm an admitted Russell Wilson fan, not a big one, but know. you know, most of everyone's against the guy. I'm not in that boat, but kudos to Pete for saying, I'm actually the head coach here. I run this team and this is how it's going to be. And if that means you superstar quarterback that has a Super Bowl rig for this team doesn't fit into that, then we're going to have to move you out and say, you know what? And you don't make that move, Emil, unless you're in practice every day watching Geno Smith and feeling like you're going to be all right. And I think that's before what we before we move off this game because we'll talk about San Francisco later in the show because they're obviously still playing. Um, what's the answer in Seattle? I mean, is Geno Smith going to be there long term? I sincerely hope that they do that. I sincerely hope that that's the move that Seattle makes. I know how this league is. Once they form an impression of you, it tends to last. And it takes something miraculous or, you know, sustained for that mood or mindset to change. So, I mean, he had a good beginning. He had, he he had, had a good, good year. If he you're smart, season. if you're Seattle and you're smart, you ride with that. And you don't go for some rookie quarterback sweepstakes. Let Geno ride this thing until you see a, a, a serious chink of crack in the armor. Yeah, I mean, if I'm Seattle. He threw for way, more yards for that franchise than anyone in its history. Chad, if I'm if I'm Seattle playing this out this year, I'm using my strategy. My quarterback is going to be fourth round down. I'll develop him. I'm going to keep Smith. I'm going. You to might use, find a gem there. You might find a gem, and I'm going to use the picks I got from Denver, especially at the top of the draft, to fortify my roster, which is already young and probably one of the best, if not the best, draft class this season. So. For for me, it's a no brainer. I just don't know. You know, this league seems to be in love with drafting quarterbacks really high. <laughs> sure. Uh, I, if I'm Seattle, I use that fourth round pick on a guy that's a three four year starter somewhere. Yeah, a Brock Purdy type who got the. I'm big on that. You got to have that experience. We tried that whole Mitch Trubisky thing. A guy blows up in one year. That's not going to help you. Well, and that, listen, that's been proven before. We had Mark Sanchez, who played essentially 13 games, went really high. Uh, you know, And we have two guys playing on Sunday, Purdy in the seventh round, Dak Prescott in the fourth round. Both guys played a ton of football yes. in college. And that matters. You know, it really does matter. I'm looking back at it. I had, what did Seattle finish at this year? 10 and nine 7? and 8. Nine and nine eight. And eight. Yeah. Exactly what I had them at. Nine and eight. Good for you. I, I think don't I know. I, them, I think I had them five and 12. I'll be honest. I don't think I, I don't think I had them in the playoffs. I don't think the nine and eight got them in the playoffs. One of my bold predictions was the Seahawks finish ahead of the 49ers. That didn't exactly no, true. No, no. Well, we we all have our our moments in those. Um, let Let's go to the next game. Has to me, at least if not the biggest, one of the two or three biggest storylines of last week. Okay, you and I were were watching the game, and, and I was ready to check out. Thank God I stayed with it. 
Hmm. Uh, the Chargers jumped out on Jacksonville to a 27 nothing lead, and I was ready to go Netflix. And I hate yeah. turning off a playoff game. You know that. Yeah. I love NFL playoff football. Sure. No matter who's playing. But I'm like 27 nothing. So I stayed with it. Hmm. And we get to 27-7 at the half. And then I said to you, well, if anybody can blow a 27-0 lead, it's the Chargers. The yeah. Chargers are the Lions and the Jets with a and few you, more wins. You tack that on to the yeah. entire franchise. Yes. Uh, needless to say, they're led by a guy who's experimenting with the game of football <laughs> and the and the fortunes and livelihoods of grown men in this league. And I have to think somewhere deep down in there, they're not happy about it. Derwin James was in tears. You know, this guy loves football, loves sure winning. Uh, he was almost in tears after the game and said he's been playing football for however many years, probably a whole bunch, and he's never felt this way. Uh, Greg Cosell, who comes on with Colin Cowherd. Um, no, actually, I think it was Sean Payton, not, not Cosell. Uh, Sean Payton, who said he doesn't think he's ever seen a game where the two halves were so starkly different. We had the we we had the Buffalo Bills comeback in '92. I think it was was that '92. Yes. yes, that was the Thir- down 35-3 to Houston, and they come all the way back. But that even, was the Frank Wright game. He came in for Kelly. It was the right. Frank Wright game. But even that wasn't quite like this. No. It was and, weird. But, but here's what was weird, right? Again, I struggle because my mind, I like math, right? Mm. And some of this really has nothing to do with football. It's just pure math. Mm. I sent you this stat. After taking a 27-0 lead from that point forward, the Chargers, if I remember my, my numbers correctly, ran 33 more plays in the game. Eight of them were runs. Now, for those of you who struggle with math, let's make that 50-50. Let's pretend they go 17 runs and 16 passes instead of eight and 25. Mm-hmm. That's nine more running plays mm-hmm. at 30 seconds of play. Nine times yeah. 30, that's four and a half minutes. Guess what? The game's over, most likely. Again, it's pure math, and I don't understand how someone who's gotten to this level in their career as a coach can just not understand and mismanage something that I probably could have called the rest of the game. I probably just I just I just call up in the headphone. I don't care what play you call. I don't know your plays. Just run it. (laughs) Well, they saw the problem and fired the offensive coordinator. (laughs) <laughs> well, like I always say, because right? it's yeah. his fault, right? Because the head coach doesn't have a headset. He can't talk to him at all during the game. Yeah. I mean, he <laughs> couldn't walk down there and wink and be like, you know, give him the run signal. But I mean, no, I, I hate to simplify, you know, I understand things are not as simple as fans believe, but I, in a situation like that, there's only a few ways to lose the game. Turnovers, uh, big plays from the other side, like you allow 80 yard completion, 70 yard completion. Or you just can't do math and understand that. Or all of the above. Right. But Eckler, you've got a guy who's led the league in touchdowns two years in a row. He's in a small class of NFL players who have ever done that. Mm. He's a really good running back. You can't give him the ball twice every series. And then if he doesn't do much, throw a pass and punt. (laughs) I think what we have in Brandon Staley is someone who has a disdain for the traditional rules and way that this game has been played Uh, and it's been all under the guise of oh it's analytics I don't know that all of that is analytics I just think it's a I'm going to be different and unique and I'm going to show all of you and in the face of all the criticism and what has always been I'm going to do something different and I will show all of you 
And that's why I said he's experimenting. He's playing Madden. He's playing the Madden video game with real football players and real livelihoods on the line. And, hey, man, somewhere on that team, there's a guy in his 10, 11, 12th year. And this was an opportunity that's just gone to the wayside. And that's not this is not how you do things. You no, can't do another always, year of this and still have his job. But Chad, there's always been coaches, even when we were kids, that were outside the box as far as not Coriel, Coriel, Jerry Walsh, Glando. Walsh actually, Walsh, Jerry Glando. There's been there's been a group of them, but they understood basic football concepts of time management at least. At oh, those- what did happen to Houston on that day? Why couldn't they run the football and right. get out of it? I mean, f- fair enough. These guys I mean, don't last is what really yeah. needs to be told here. They don't keep their jobs. They don't keep their jobs. And this guy seems to be a guy that is is in this class of, and, and, and again, this is a deeper conversation. I think some of this goes to the whole group of people in that under 40 that grew up with social media, mm-hmm. needing attention. And I think it's almost like I can't just be good by doing the traditional thing. I need to be outside of that to be called a genius. Sure. I'm a genius because I don't think like the rest of you. I do my thing. I do me. <laughs> yes. My favorite thing to do as defensive coordinator was to go up against the genius offensive guys. The worst thing for me were the consistent old school stick to our deal type of guys. Those would be the problems for me. Well, because I, they understood your weakness, and once they found your weakness, they were going to attack it until either you fixed it or the game was over and they beat well, the they, you. Well, you know, they were going to stay on their mark. So yeah. even if I had success against them early, and a lot of times I'm trying to take away something from them early in the game to get them to change their plan and move to the part of the playbook that they don't go to very often. Yeah. And I know execution is going to be a problem at that point. When I got the guys that stayed on the first 10 pages of that playbook, and now they've caught up with what it is I'm doing, and they carefully work their way back in the game, a lot of times it would be a wing T uh, team, yeah. um, not to get too deep into the, the, the game of football, but like it would be a heavy run team from an area where we know what we are. We don't have the edge athletes to compete with a, an American heritage or a university school where they just... They have them in the bunches. We're going to stay right here with where we're at, and we're going to we're, yeah, we're going to put you in a keep... we're going to put you in a phone booth. And, exactly, and, exactly. And I yeah. actually heard Brett Venables. Um, yeah. You know, forget about what everyone thinks about the season he had as a head coach for Oklahoma. The guy's a damn good defensive coordinator, sure. and, and he's you know really should be given a lot of credit for Clemson's success in beating Alabama. He put some things together, and he said he had a real problem with. And I'm going to forget the coach's name that was at Georgia Tech previously that ran the the option offense and he said it's a real problem facing that guy because no matter what happens he's sticking to that option and I could have early success and then at some point he might start getting his way back in there because he's going to stick with the run stick with the option stick with the fullback dive and I'm going to have to deal with it for 60 minutes and sometimes I'm not equipped for 60 minutes of that I found that out in my last game as a Miami Hurricane uh, I had a friend up here, Kidner. I kidded it around for the game because, you know, we'll talk about our picks later. But I said, I like Doug Peterson, this is my pregame quote, to mm. outcoach mm. Staley. And at, when at 27 nothing, he's going, it looks like, you know, kidding with me. It looks like that's not working. Mm. By the end of the day, game, he, he wrote me a note and said, you know what? He really <laughs> did outcoach him. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's, that's really just what yeah. ended up happening. How about going for two? 
uh, and with that second to last score. Now there's where you use your analytics. And the point is now that and, and my six foot six quarterback. Sure. But the risk makes sense because you put the ball from two yards to one yard in the NFL fans don't realize is a big difference. Okay. That's a hundred percent move there. Right. Right. If so we're talking it, makes, about. it makes perfect sense to go for two at that point, the risk reward, the analytics makes sense. I'm fine with analytics when used like that. It's just when you're telling me the analytics tell you go for a fourth and one from your own 24 in the first yeah. quarter, I'm saying you're of crazy. Course. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So Brandon cool. Staley, luckily for him, still has his job. He's on super thin ice. Yeah. We'll talk about Jacksonville as we go along here. I, where, yeah. Where do, where do the Chargers go from here? I mean, they're going to give this, I mean, from a football perspective as a player, do you think he's going to have a hard time next season in training camp, you know, really getting this team to gel? I mean, do you think he's lost a lot of these guys or how do you? I don't know about the gelling part. I think, they seem like as a unit, as a team within a locker room, they seem like a tight group. I think the problem is going to be trusting him. And if things aren't going the Chargers way early on in the year, and we have a couple instances where the guy just acts like there's no punter available on his team um, and just doesn't want to kick field goals that are obvious or take points early in the game, and it costs them a game or two, we'll have a mutiny on their hands because they do have a couple of guys on that roster that aren't going to put up with that. What they did need in this last game was a real super alpha offensive lineman that comes off one of those series as Jacksonville was starting to get closer, slams his helmet down, gets in someone's face. Maybe you see some kind of a altercation on the sideline with a coach with Staley and say, run the ball. You know, um, we want to run the ball. Let's mash these guys. Let's get out of this game. That's where sideline scuffles are not a bad thing. And you've heard players say that these things happen. Sometimes they need to happen. You need to snap a guy into reality. We've all seen the Jeff Saturday and, and Peyton Manning one yeah. Saturday saying, Hey, listen, I know you're out here just doing your little throw the ball around thing, but there's an actual real football game going on. And we want to run the football. It, it was probably in that same kind of situation. And San Diego doesn't have anyone no. like that on their offensive no. line. It's sorely. Well, missed. It's a good, it's a good point. It's sorely missed. But anyway, the Chargers did the Chargers. They're they were charging, yes. Out and along go the Jaguars. So then we go to the Sunday game, and I have to tell you, this game it, it completely shocked. I think both of us um, when when I looked at the Dolphins coming in here, and I know they had played, you know, the Bills extremely tough. They beat them the first game down in Miami. Second game, Christmas night, thirty-two twenty-nine. Could have went either way. They had the lead. So, again, they matched up well. But when you see a Dolphin team coming in after the way they played against the Jets, an 11-6 win, they have Skylar Thompson playing quarterback. They're on the road. I mean, you sit there and you say to yourself, there's no way they hang in this game. And to the Bills' credit or not, I guess, maybe not their credit. Early on, it looked like you were going to be right they jumped about out 17-0. Yeah, I think a big kudos has to go to Mike McDaniel. I mean, forget that he looks like your earth science teacher from sixth grade. <laughs> That's a tremendous job with your third string quarterback to go on the road to Buffalo when you're Miami uh, temperatures and everything else that's working against you. Buffalo was a heavy favorite in the beginning of the season to be in the final game of the year. Uh, they're talented all over the place. They're your division rival. They handled you in the last meeting. That's frosty temperatures. Oh, and we're on our third string quarterback. That's a tremendous job by Mike McDaniel. 
And the defense, who after they went down 17-0, really started making some plays. There's the two interceptions that happened late in that half. There's the there's the blitz off the edge that turned into the fumble. And it all resulted in points to really pull Miami back into the game and give them the belief that this could happen. I think if they went in 17-0, 20-3, we have a different football game. I thought that was a really good job by the defense to come up with some points. No doubt. And and I'm not trying to take anything away from Miami, but you always told me that math wasn't your favorite thing. But let me ask you, this is an easy one. What's 16 plus 6? 22. Correct. That's how many turnovers Josh Allen was responsible for this year in the regular season. He's turned into a turnover machine quietly. Uh, You know, they lost his offensive coordinator, right? I mean, the the Giants. Yes. Yes. So, yes. Um, and and that was really the concern, I think, coming out of Wyoming with Josh Allen was he had all the physical tools, six foot mm-hmm. six, runs like a deer, has a rifle for an arm. But, you know, how's this guy going to be with the football? And, you know, for a period of time there, he, he was really good. And people are starting to say, hey, this guy and Patrick Mahomes are going to be doing this for a long time. And I'm telling you, the Bills are skating by this year because they have such a good roster. I mean, that they can overcome this. Because when you're getting that many turnovers from your court, he kept Miami in the game. Now you can credit Miami for taking the ball away, sure. But he had three tur- what do you have? Three turnovers Sunday, or was it four? I mean, you had two picks, he fumbled. I think it was four, but we at least check. three. Yeah, but we could definitely check that. He at least had three. I mean, those turnovers were were game-changing, keeping an undermanned Dolphins team in a game that really they had no business being in. If you're Buffalo you're supposed to blow Miami out if you jump out to a 17 nothing lead. Are you a guy that can predict the future or may have a mean poker face? How about a love for horses or you just know who's going to win the game? Don't just be a profit, make a profit. And you can do that when you open an account at Bovada Sportsbook and Casino today. Whether it's getting down on the gridiron action, wiping out the dealer in a card game, making some change on the race of the ponies, or cashing in on celebrity events, Bovada Casino is the place for you to draw your line. Since 2011, Bovada has been a leader in the online casino industry, spearheaded by their top-of-the-line customer service, easy deposit, secure payouts, and great welcome bonuses. Head over to Bovada now to see what they're offering you to come in and scratch that itch you're having. Click on the link in the description and tell them the Gridiron Stud Show sent you. Emil, I'm going to say something crazy. I am getting Carson Wentz vibes from Josh Allen. That's what I'm getting. I'm getting a guy that came in on fire and because of the physical talent and the prowess, for lack of a a better term, he's been given a pass on a lot of things. We all we no matter what the sport, but especially football and, and, you know, the NBA to a lesser degree, we get enamored with physical attributes and skills, the sidearm pass, the 80 yard throw, the dashing run that we would get from a Lamar Jackson or a Michael Vick. We get caught up in that. And I think that's where we are with Josh Allen. But you've pointed out the facts. And that is he's putting the ball on the ground. He's throwing it to other people. And I don't care who you are in this league. You're just not going to prosper like that. You're going to fall short a lot. And if he doesn't rein this in, he's going to go the way of a Carson Wentz, where you started off really, really hot, and then you kind of faded off, and it's going to be a really Well, really he's bad developed story. some bad habits. You know, not every fumble is the, re- is the result of 
some wicked hit on the quarterback. Sometimes yeah, it was three turnovers, by the way. Yeah, so yeah, that's a lot. Sometimes you're just not securing the football. There's things that quarterbacks are taught to do when the rush gets around them that if, if you're using good technique, you don't fumble as much. And if you're not, I mean, there's not like this guy's got small hands. I mean, he probably holds a a, a football like I hold a coffee cup. Sure. Like, I mean, to chuck the ball the way that he does in cold weather would indicate that. Yeah. So, I mean, this guy's got some bad habits and you're a baseball guy like me. We've seen stories like of Cody Bellinger. There's a guy with a ton of physical attributes, won an MVP, didn't adjust with the league. And now he's trying to revive his career at 27 years old. And, you know, this stuff happens quick. People, Man, gosh, I mean, to say you're reviving it at 27, he's so young. But but I mean, and I'm saying I, I look at Allen as a football version of a guy like that. Tremendous athlete, all the physical tools. But this stuff happens quick and people will be like, you're crazy. The team's 14 and three now. I get all that. But the Bills have a very good roster. They've been able to hide a lot of his mistakes. That's not always going to be the case. The Bills have to win this weekend. That's just the that's just the long and short of it. They have to win this weekend or it's going to be a problem. And I sound like I sound like a mobster coming to collect my money. No, it is a problem because, again, expectations drive sports. When you were as close to where they were last year to getting to a championship, basically the squib kick. right? Really at the doorstep. 13 seconds. The squib kick set up the the comeback for Kansas City. When you're that close. If you don't at least get back to the conference championship game, uh, yeah, you could say you had a good year, but you didn't. No, you didn't. There's a regression there, and it's a little early to be seeing that. And your one win in the playoffs was against a team that had, again, their third-string quarterback and a first-year head coach. Yeah. It's not going to be pretty for for the Josh Allen detractors will be out in full force. There are people out there that think he's overrated, thought that before this season, and they're, you know, sort of being vindicated. So the Bills, Bills really need to win. Yeah. What is going to be a there's going to be a problem. There's going to be a problem. Right, yeah. Mr. Gangster. Let me ask yeah. you this. Miami, where do they go? Um, I know they're going back to Tua. And I have to tell you, and this is crazy. I'm not sure that guy should still be playing football. I think it'll take an offseason to see. I think he's one concussion away from, you know, really needing to hang it up. You know, if there's any any kind of a concussion next year, I would have to tell that kid if he's my son or, you know, he's a relative of mine, a loved one. Hey, man, it's been a nice run. You've been a national champion. You were a first round pick. Um, <laughs> I think I think you're the single game the passing record for the Miami Dolphins, the team that Dan Marino p- played for. Let's just call it that because you're going to need And you're a- set up financially. I mean, yes, you are. Yeah, yeah. You're good. You're, you're, you're good. good. Your offspring are good. Your family's good. Let's just call it. Let's just call it a day. You need a quality of life down the road. Someday you will have kids if you don't have them already. And you're going to want to be there for them and not have this be a super sad story. You know, there was another quarterback for the Dolphins that suffered a similar injury once, and that was it. Pat White, that played for yep. West Virginia, mm-hmm. got clobbered on the sideline. Now, he wasn't a first-round pick. He wasn't no. on Tua's trajectory, so maybe it was an easier decision to make, but a decision he made nonetheless. Am I okay with the Dolphins saying, let's run it back again with Tua? I am. Give him another Give him another. Well, let year. me ask you this, though. Sure, you're okay with that, but are you at least maybe pushing quarterback to the second or third round? I mean, well, are you, gonna- you know, the Amo Calamino philosophy says you pick a quarterback each and every, uh, every year, 
So if you were going into this and Tua was clean all year long and you said, we're going to pick a guy in the sixth round. Yeah. I think you've now bumped that up to a third or fourth round pick because there aren't a ton of holes on this team that you say we need to devote. You know, you could, so you could do that a third or fourth rounder. Again, a guy that was the ideal thing for Seattle and for Miami is to find a guy who started for three or four years at a school that was not loaded in talent, but he did good things. I want a guy that played somewhere where I didn't have receivers that are going to be wide open like a guy that came from an yeah. Alabama, LSU, Ohio State. You don't want that guy. No. Because if there's one thing that's different in the pro game in relation to the college football game for quarterbacks is you're going to have to throw guys open, whereas in college football, you're throwing to guys who are open. So give me a guy like that. Give me a guy from Delaware or, you know, an Ivy maybe. We've seen Ivy League guys make it, a- and he Aikman, started three, Aikman four years. along those lines tells a good story of his first year in training camp with the Cowboys, and they ran a play, and, you know, he got imaginary sacked. In other words, mm-hmm. you know, they blew the play mm-hmm. down. Yeah. And Norv Turner said, why didn't you throw the ball, Troy? He said, there's nobody open. Turner said, he, had a ha- he goes, he had a half a step on that crossing route. He's open. <laughs> I don't, you know, I, I don't know if Urban was there his first year, but if you had Michael Urban, you had Michael Harper, yeah. you had Alvin Harper, throw the ball. Well, that's what Troy's point was. You have to learn that in the pro game, the windows are very small. So you Absolutely. Have to, yeah, when you know. you're at UCLA playing San Jose State, yeah, uh, my guy's wide open. You know, yeah. and so I just throw it up there and hope I don't overthrow them. That's not the case no. when you're playing the Philadelphia Eagles. So and I think I think for Miami, it, I really believe that with consistent quarterback play, they're not far off from challenging Buffalo for that division. I think I think their third string quarterback, um, Skyler, showed him that he can play. So maybe you don't need to draft a guy. He showed you can step in there and make plays. Uh, you know, I obviously was paying close attention during the, the preseason. And every time the kid came in there, he made play. So maybe, you know, maybe not. Maybe he's but, a guy but, you can but, develop. But I really believe the Dolphins aren't far away from contending with Buffalo in that division if they can get consistent week in, week out play from a quarterback. Now, that's not necessarily their part of their problem this year. It wasn't that the quarterback didn't play well. It's that they had all kinds of injury issues with Tua. So sure. again, that's where, you know, but it, that was an interesting game. Again, the Sunday games were all really good football games. So we go to, Pivot to the middle game, which I felt all along was going to be the most interesting competitive game of the weekend because we talked about it. Uh, the Vikings were an anomaly. You know, they were 13 and four, but they set an NFL record. They won 11 games by one score. It's an all time NFL record in a season. And I think their point differential was almost zero. Basically, they scored as many as they gave up despite being 13 and four, meaning when they got beat, they got beat really bad. Um, and they had, were playing a giant team that I really like what the coach is doing there. And they beat them on a 60 yard field goal the first time they played them. We said this was another rematch game. Yeah. Um, and I don't know what you left, what your impression of this game was. We didn't talk much during this game, but I really felt like I was surprised after watching the game. It felt like the Giants won by more than seven points. They were dominant. They were dominant in a lot of areas, yeah. um, especially in the ground game with Saquon Barkley. I was not able to see the game live, but you know, I just watched it last night in its entirety. And look, we both picked the Giants. I was not biting the cheese with Minnesota. This was the absolute outside of playing San Francisco, maybe or Philadelphia. This is the worst matchup for Minnesota. Uh, you were facing a team that was equally as scrappy as you. 
and would probably win the game if it came down to it being close, which is what Minnesota does, by the way. So it was the worst team for them to play, and it kind of played out that way. And they couldn't catch this team looking ahead or taking them lightly because, you know, the Giants aren't that yet. So, again, they weren't going to get the element of surprise. Yeah, and you have to give Brian Dayball, first-year head coach Brian Dayball, his flowers. He's done an outstanding job with this team. And right now he's kind of setting – the, he's setting the bar kind of high. And so I hope things can continue in this direction because after all, you are in New York City. Yeah. So, you know, be careful. You always say that, that first year you hate coming out like gangbusters because it, it, it's puts, expectations, man. And yeah. if the New York Post starts loving you. Oh, baby. They, and yeah. I, I got one for you. Now, the Vikings are the Chargers NFC cousins. <laughs> um, here's one for you. This was a 47-0 and 0 stat before the Vikings did. Oh, boy. No team had lost a game where their quarterback completed 80% of his passes, was not sacked, and did not turn the ball over. The Vikings did it. What would you chalk that up to? I mean, because you get get clean play for the most part from a Kirk Cousins, but I thought the final play from Minnesota kind of summed up. That was Cousins. That 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 was so Kirk Cousins. Cousins. We need 10 yards. You dump it off to three <laughs> yards beyond the line. of It's fourth and 10. A Go to ball that, beyond the sticks. Take a chance. Like, you know what I mean? A guy like, that we're friends with that played college football was sitting here. And uh, with me, my wife and I, a friend came by to watch the, some of the game. He was here at the end. And uh, he, as soon as he threw the pass, I turned and I said to my wife, you just can't throw it there. And no sooner do I definitely not throw it there when all 11 defenders eyes are looking at you. Maybe if it's man to man coverage and you've got a guy chasing another guy on a crossing route. okay, dump it off. Maybe you outrun him. Maybe you break a tackle. But all the defenders were looking at you sitting in a zone. How do you dump? Who do you think that is? And what's funny? Well, what's funny is I get I get it out of my mouth, and Troy Aikman goes, "Oh man, you really just can't throw that." Pass. You really can't. <laughs> Who did you think that was? Barry, Walter, Peyton, Franco, Harris. You threw the ball to. Like, uh, it, it just blew my mind. And, and to I me, said, like I'd rather see him push the ball with into a one on four situation. Abel, I'd much rather watch Kirk Cousins try and run for that ten yards. Yes. Well, but by the way, Justin Jefferson is on your football team. Take a chance, throw the ball. You went down swinging. I threw it to the best guy on my team who, oh, by the way, arguably is the best receiver in the league beyond the sticks. It, if I was a Vikings fan, I'd have a broken But, but I think, you know, all kidding aside, to me, that's always going to be the knock on Cousins. I feel like. Super safe. Game yeah, manager. Yeah. If you're just looking at stats, sure. At the, in today's game with the rules, and we've talked about that. Yeah. He'll end up the year with a lot of yards and touchdowns and interceptions. But when you watch him play in certain situations, you just don't feel like he's that. You know, I don't know what you do from here. You do have Dalvin Cook on your football team. You have Justin Jefferson on your football team. You have uh, Adam Thielen on your football team. Yes. Um, your defense was not the greatest. But that was the problem too. Before we, well, what do you first. need? The purple people leaders? Like, what do you need over there? Like, but you, you know, they really couldn't. Like, I mean, let's be honest. That game isn't even coming down to Cousins. Slayton drops that crosser, or the Giants just walk that off at that point. He probably goes to the house, and they win by fourteen. Yeah, the defense failed you. It was I bad. understand. It was but bad. We, we are in a salary cap era. You're not going to have everything. 
like I said, you got all those names on offense. Yeah. Outscore people, I guess. But I mean, maybe they make. I mean, I don't know. Their, I mean, I don't pretend to know the Vikings cap situation well enough or the situation with Cousins and what his cap impact is. Maybe, maybe you go get one of these other guys and you figure it's a better fit. I mean, I don't know. I mean, is would Derek? You want eleven games? It's tough to do that. I yeah, but I mean, honestly, do you think Derek Carr is a downgrade? Derek Carr is going to menace a whole bunch of programs. <laughs> it's going to menace a whole bunch of franchises. I don't know. I feel like he. I feel like, like he sort of. I feel like he sort of treated unfairly. Yeah, you could say that until he shows up and he's kind of like what he was. Um, you know, with the Raiders, I don't know. I I don't, I don't listen know. to be honest, Emil. I don't know what Derek Carr is. No. I but know. I know this. I don't think you're win- I don't think you're gonna ever go far in a playoff run with the Kirk Cousins. No, I don't see that guy. So, winning so my season. point is: is are you gonna try to? You're not gonna win eleven. You could. Score. Here's the only way you could do that: is you have somewhat of a close to an all-time defense. So Minnesota has to figure out: do we want to go ham in the offseason with free agents for that side of the ball, and do the same in the draft? And really, really build up that side of the football because we're going to ride with this guy. He's not going to lose his games. He's not going to win his games. And you just come up with a defense that's a la the, you know, 2000 Ravens or the 85 Bears or something of that ilk. Maybe you win it that way. I mean, yes, but that's Tampa Bay won with Dilfer. Uh, but you that's know, hard. The Ravens it's easier said than done. Yeah, you can go try to do it. Getting it to, to actually gel that way is a different story. It's hard to grab someone's cash the way as a free agent quarterback or try to rely on one of these college quarterbacks, that's tough too. So they're in a pickle. Well, yeah, and the and Detroit also, lions are coming, baby. Well, they are. And I'll tell you what, don't laugh. They're going to regress to the mean. I mean, we know that when you go 11 and 0 in one score games, even if next year they go five and five, that means they're probably a closer to 500 football team. And I'll say this as we, we go, we move along here, piggybacking onto the lions. Why did the lions hand a division rival, the Minnesota Vikings, an all-pro tight end. I mean, imagine the Viking, the, the Lions season. I mean, is he worth one win? Because let's face it, if the Lions win one more game, they win 10 games, they're playing. That's astonishing to me that Dan Campbell, who played tight end, yeah, would sign off on that. Maybe he doesn't have those kind of powers there. I don't know. It was strange when it happened. Um, and the kid paid off of the bike. He's a good player. He's a good player. And you handed him to a division. Yeah. Maybe there's some regrets there, but overall the lions can't complain about this. Listen, you like the direction. I like the direction. I, I, I kind of, you know, they're a team like you almost want to see them do good. If you're not a fan of the rival, you know I mean? Like as a cowboy fan, I have nothing against the lions. It's like, Hey, it'd be cool to see the lions in the playoffs. I, I mean, really, I mean that. I'm just so, sitting here looking at uh, I'm on the page in my notes here from that uh, preview season, uh, the preview yeah. show that we had. And I'm looking at my five bold predictions. You want yeah. you want to hear these? Yeah, I have the Cardinals winning the West. <laughs> Jameis Winston wins comeback player of the year. Seahawks finish ahead of the 49ers. I was toast on those. I did say Vikings win the North. OK. And Brady has his first losing season. So. Well, that's not bad. I mean, Those two, I guess, can kind of even up. The when you're making level. bold predictions, if you get two of the five right, that's not bad. Well, and and those last two were one and two on my list. So yeah, you know, maybe you, I should have no, just quit while I was ahead. There. Yeah, you did okay. Well, let, yeah. let's go to the night game because the night game. This is something. This was actually a story after the game that I found interesting. So anybody didn't watch it, 
Ravens come into this game. We know Lamar's out. They're playing Todd, Todd Hundley. I felt all week that they would play tough. I'm a big John Harbaugh fan. I felt like he'd have them ready to play. It's a well-run organization. Mm. Game goes back and forth. Good ball game. 12 minutes left in the game. Ravens are tied at 17. They're second in goal, I think it was, on the one-yard line. Okay. Mm. Now, it. I mean, if you're not – I don't know if this was something he just thought of on his own. They send the quarterback on a sneak, but he does mm. one of those, you know, a Trevor Lawrence who's six foot six. And I'm just going to reach that ball out. Well, he was nowhere close to the goal. <laughs> and that ball gets popped out into the hands of a Bengal player at the five-yard line who promptly returns it 95 yards for a touchdown, 24-17 Bengals. So you got at least a 10-point swing. Because even if you don't get in there, right. you're going to kick a chip shot field goal. Essentially, that's your the moment. That was the ball game. Yeah, that's that the ball game. game. Momentum shift was huge. From there, the Bengals defense locked it down. And Dobbins, after the game, the former Ohio State running back, really went off. I Those mean, were he, some tough comments. I'm I mean, say. He, first of all, he said we would have won if we had Lamar. And then he said, you know, basically he, meaning Hundley, shouldn't even be put in that position. I mean, give me the ball. He goes, it's a damn playoff game. I got 13 carries. I'm always tough on the play calls. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm more harder on the actual decisions of whether – we go for it. We kick a field goal, whatever. Right. Um, I don't go as hard on the actual play calls because I know there's so much that goes into that. You know, Tyler Huntley, another local kid, uh, mm-hmm. played on our seven on seven team. So I feel for him. And I thought those were especially harsh comments by J.K. Well, let me Dodd ask you this because you coached and played and I don't know the answer to this. So I'm asking, genuinely asking. I plays like a quarterback sneak. Do I mean, I'm sure different teams, do they teach technique like we're going to run our sneaks this way? I mean, like, for instance, Tom Brady always gets like four yards when he runs a quarterback sneak. He's not a big guy. I mean, the guy's like weighs, what, 210 at this point? And it's like he runs it and he ends up getting three or four yards. And and so I think I'm with Sean Payton on this, who said, you know, he thinks that Tyler Huntley did that on his own. Uh, the whole stick. Right. That wasn't taught that way. No coach said, Hey, we run the quarterback sneak. We want you to just jump over the top. Like, no. Yeah. Whereas maybe in, in, you know, uh, Lawrence's case, maybe that's how they say to do it. Yeah. Because you're six foot six and you got long arms. Yeah. And Sean Payton explains that. uh, I think he was saying that Drew Brees was the, the forefather of that. And that would be weird because Drew, Drew Brees is not especially, you know, a long quarterback with no. long arms. However, if you're the first to really come up with that, it can catch the defense by surprise. And they had specifics about when that would be tried, not at the one and a half yard line. Specifically have to be inside of the one to do that. I just hate, I, and I'm not just saying this because it happened. I hate guys in the pile, whether it's the quarterback or the running Sticking back. a ball out. Hate it. Because, you're Bill Belichick then. Belichick yes. would, I think, find guys for sticking I, the ball. I, I can't go. stand it because to me, I've I've watched enough football in my life. Mm. I've seen to see it go wrong. Yeah, because let's be honest, you have the ball with one hand, even if you got a meat hook, you got other guys that are big and strong too slapping at that thing. If you don't get it to the goal line in time, I think they would have been better off with the whole push, push the quarterback yes. from behind thing, which as a defensive guy, I think is absolute BS that they allow that. 
But since they are allowing it, I would have probably gone with that more. Yeah, that does seem, uh, again, I or handed to J.K. Dobbins. But, you know, a running back that doesn't get the ball on the final play of the game always feels that yeah. way. It's yeah. the Marshawn Lynch type of deal, et cetera, et cetera. They would say nothing like that if they're handed the ball and someone nice through the line and takes their legs out on the three yard line. They've got nothing yeah. to say. And but. you know, I, back to your point about the push thing. For years, it's been illegal to drag a guy forward. You can't do that. Still, mm. I really don't understand why they're allowing. You know, there shouldn't like I'm okay. Why is the drag illegal, but the push is? I'm okay with one. Like, in other words, if the running back comes in and pushes the quarterback or the fullback or tight end, one guy, I think it should be limited. Just like on kick plays, you can't do wedges anymore. Yes. I don't think, I think it should be one player at a time. So if it, if a, if you want to run a tight end behind the quarterback and let them try to push, fine. But if it's like, like they'll put three guys back there. Yeah. It's like, it's like a rugby scrum. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, that's crazy. But anyway. Chad is not in favor of that no. at all. That I, I thought that was a very entertaining game, though, because mm-hmm. the, the two teams don't like each other very much. It's a division rivalry. Um, I, I I don't think the Bengals, I mean, the Bengals have some issues coming out of that game. Mm-hmm. I mean, they don't do. you, I mean, yeah, I would agree. Lose, losing your tackles a problem. They're down three offensive linemen now. So, yeah, I would agree. And you're playing against, you know, you were playing against a division rival. So that's tough to, uh, well, I don't hold that, that game. Listen, the only object at this point in the year is to win in advance. I do not hold the Bengals not playing a great game against them because of all the things you say. Number one, it's a playoff game. But number two, you're playing a team the third time, a proud organization, a yeah. well-run organization. I yeah, you were spot on. You were spot yeah. on with that, with your call on that game. So yeah, that's I think what we saw play out in that in that contest. So you save the best for last. And the best for last. Yeah, you save the best, the for, best last. for last. Because this I'll be guy honest. here, let me tell you, folks, you want to hear someone hedging their emotions. It's Amo Calamino in the uh, chat with myself and my brother when they are winning a game and he's not sure how he should feel about it. He doesn't want to get too giddy and jinx it. No. He's just over here kind of – My son-in-law is kind of halfway taking a dump on what the Cowboys are doing (laughs) while they're, like, taking an actual dump on the team. They're killing killing the Bucs, and he's really not trying to give them credit. My son-in-law hits me mid-afternoon. He goes, what's your confidence level tonight? I, I said five. He said five. I said, well, were you were you like Brady spooked or you're just more you don't trust? No, my exact comment was I said, listen, as a football guy, we got the better roster. Mm. I'm not worried about that, but I just don't. So it boils down to you not trusting the police chief in a seedy cop drama on NBC on Friday night. I I thought the police chief planted (laughs) evidence. I didn't trust him. So the word is from people like around the league in a coaching fraternity says he's a really good coach and he does his best job at getting the teams prepared. You would not have believed that based on the final play of the 2021 season for the Cowboys, but that really is the book on Mike McCarthy. Hey, listen, as a fan, I want him to succeed. It's not like I'm rooting for, I mean, I'm sure you're just, you're a skeptic. I'm skeptic, but I will say this. Um, Dallas got up 24, nothing. And I'll be honest, and maybe you disagree, but I honestly think that Dallas looked at, in a way, the Charger game and said, we're not going to be that. Okay. Cause once they got up 24 nothing, Quinn went into a completely different defense. It was a lot of shell coverage with mm. three minutes left in the third quarter. Mm. Tampa Bay had 150 yards of offense and the score was mm. 24 nothing. He went into these zones and said, you can have six yards, Tom. That's fine. Mm. We'll tackle you. I think if Dallas played the same defense, 
the whole game, they would have shut Tampa Bay out. Maybe. Do you think Mike McCarthy faced time Brandon Staley and said, Hey, hey, bud, watch, watch this. this. Let me yeah. show you how we let me show you how we do this thing. Well, that's what Brady Brady threw 66 passes in this game. Now he threw for 350 some yards, but he got 5.5 yards in attempt. That's insane. And you know, Tom Brady is like the quarterback in the league that will take those checkdowns and just keep throwing them. But and they gave uh, it to him. They like they said, here, you run the clock on force. Well, it would work if on the offensive side of the ball, the Cowboys wanted to play the way the Chargers did the other night. Yes. The reason it did work was the two units worked in conjunction. So you take those dump downs, we eat up clock, you score, maybe don't score. And then when we get the ball back, it's going to be Pollard, it's going to be Elliott. By and large, and we're going to eat the clock too. And, and you're just passes, simply going to run out of time. And the passes we throw will be bubble screens where we know the ball won't hit the ground. And even if you get two yards, yeah, completions like, get tackled inbounds. Yeah. There's yeah. a clock in this game. We're going to observe the fact that there is one, and yes. it's a big part of this game. We don't play infinitely. So, yeah, um, the Cowboys did what the okay. Chargers did. So, enough flowers the for the Cowboys. There's two stories in this game. I'll take the smaller one before we get to the bigger one, which is is, is the obvious one for fans out there. The smaller one is I've been watching football a long time. Mm -hmm. Other than maybe in the 80s at the high school level, when I was in high school, I'm not sure I ever saw a guy miss four extra points in a game. (laughs) There's another. I don't know who's more fortunate on this day that we sit here. Brandon Staley or your (laughs) kicker. What's what's your kicker's last name? Is it Missy? M-A-H-E-R. Yeah, Misser. (laughs) <laughs> it's, but no, listen, here's the real story. He missed five in a row. He had one extra point in the in the Washington game the week before in that disaster. He missed it. Yeah. He missed the first four. This guy missed five 32-yard kicks in a row. Holy He's Chuck Knobloch. I don't <laughs> yes. understand. I used happening. the analogy watching the game with a room full of people. I He's said, got the yips. He's got the yips. I said he's Steve Saxon, Chuck Knobloch. Rolled into one. I don't know how I would have handled that. I had this thought like, okay, you have this game under control. Maybe have this guy try a 55, 60-yard field goal late in the game, and hopefully he hits it and it's it squares his mind away. You're going to need this guy. If oh, you're yeah. saying, if you didn't cut him uh, Tuesday morning and you're taking him with you to the next contest, which is in San Francisco, by the way, a really good football team, then – um, I don't know the state of mind of that. You're going to need that guy to make an extra point at least. He he might, was, the game might come down to a field goal. He missed one. Trying- he missed one field goal this year, I believe, one or two. He was and he hit some sixty yarders, fifty eight yarders. He's got a big leg. Fifty of fifty three on extra points. He kicked for the Cowboys in eighteen and nineteen. He missed one extra point. So the guy missed four extra points over the course of three years. He missed that many. <laughs> it's. The human mind is a is a really, you know, complicated thing. I felt I, bad for him because, to be honest with you, he's been, you know, how most people hate their kicker. He's been yeah. a good kicker for the Cowboys. Oh, sure. And, yeah. you know, Dak was behind him and he's still on the team. So he must be. Good. You know what Dak I, said? He said, I was mad when he missed it because, I, you know, the emotion of the game. But I told him after the game, don't worry about it. I sucked last week. Yeah. Um, okay. Facts. But. <laughs> what is the decision in a 24-24 game with 12 seconds left and you're at the 29-yard line? You got to kick it. McCarthy. Listen, if he's on your team, it's the old baseball adage, you're a baseball guy. If the guy's in my bullpen, 
They got to bring him out. He's your coach. I got to use him. Otherwise, he should be on my team. If I can't, if I'm not going to use him, then he can't be on the team. Hopefully, you don't get Mitch Williams or whatever. So you know, you baseball before, guys. Before would have to we get to our up. picks, the the story to this game to me, and maybe you feel differently, regardless of the the the, the empty stats that Brady put up. Brady looked like a guy that was done on Monday night to me. I felt that at various points throughout the season, uh, but it's not up to us. And no, no, I'm not saying he, he will yeah, be done. He I, could chalk this up in his mind yes. to what was around me. And if I go somewhere else in a different system with different guys in a different way that it's run, I can get back to the Tom Brady that I've always been. I just have the feeling, Emil, that it's – it's going to end badly for Tom Brady in the, and I don't mean in a tragic way, like physically, where he's laid out on the field. No, just embarrassingly. I ha- yeah, it just looks yeah. all to me like. Well, that's I mean, there was plays happen. that he quit on Monday night, almost like like an old guy. Like in other words, the rush would come in because Dallas only had two sacks, but they put a lot of pressure on Brady, and there was mm-hmm. plays where like he just like literally threw the ball at the feet of a running back and just said the hell with it back to the huddle. Uh, yeah, I, well, that's kind more of, than one or two. I uh, mean, that's kind of his mo, though. This yeah. kind of his mo, and that was Peyton's kind of thing too. Yeah. I'm going to fall down behind the line of scrimmage before I take that unnecessary hit. That's part of your longevity. But Emil, I'm not sure that I've heard San Francisco named. I've heard the Dolphins named as potential places for him to go. Even the Raiders. Quite frankly, man, at least the Dolphins and the 49ers who run similar systems. It does require some mobility by the quarterback. Yeah, I, I, just, I don't, just don't. I don't see there. how San Francisco goes in a different direction next year. I mean, yeah. they, they seem to have found a guy. Unless something you have three guys that could play quarterback for you, two that you know for sure, and one more that you're hopeful because you yeah. spent a lot of money to get him there. I just can't see them. Adding I mean, the Raiders to. potentially because of the fact that it's Las Vegas. It's it's kind of like being in Los Angeles, you know. It'll sell tickets. Uh, I mean, uh, don't all the, for lack of a better term, washed entertainers end up in Vegas anyway? Yeah, I mean, you know, so he'll be he'll be Elvis. He'll be another one. He'll be Elvis in his leather suit when he has sure. a big belly. <laughs> yeah, you could go there and perform with, uh, you know, J Lo. And- well, okay, enough. We we got to do before we check out. I'm here. excited about this segment right here. I yeah. just want to see how this well, thing let, goes. Let's cover. Let's cover first of all last week quickly because it was pretty easy to cover it. Chad and I killed it. We were both uh, winning. Chad was four and two. I was five and one. Um, we had all the same picks except one game. I had the Ravens. Chad had the Bengals. So that was one of Chad's two losers. We talked about each game in detail. We don't need to cover it again. Our, we both lost on the Bills. Um, we sure seemed like winners early in that first quarter. Or I felt good about it. But hey, like you said, give credit to the Dolphins for hanging sure. in there. That was a hell of an effort. So again, five and one, four and two. We did a good job this week. So why don't why don't we start with we'll, we'll alternate. You go first on the first game of the, the weekend, which is the Chiefs. Jags, and then we'll go back and forth like that. Emil, I get a number in my head as I watch the two teams play. Um, I didn't, obviously, there was no game for Kansas City, but I've watched them throughout the season. How do you not watch the Kansas City sure. Chiefs? Uh, I obviously saw the Jacksonville game, watched it live, and I get a number in my head. Um, the number was not eight or eight and a half that I had in my head, not at all. And I'm not going to, is that what number do you have? I have eight and a half. Chiefs is eight and a half. That was not at all the number that I had. 
And here's the difference for me now when we get into the playoffs as opposed to the regular season. I don't play these games with odds makers. You're not going to trick me and fool me when it comes. You can do this kind of stuff in a regular season because there's 16 games, including a college slate, and there's people's attention can get divided. All eyes are on these games. And so I go the opposite way. When I see lines like this that is, that's just don't make sense and they seem far off, I'm going to call the odds maker on their BS, and I'm going to go with Kansas City here. I just don't see the Jags coming off. The Jags are the Jags, number one. Sure. Number two is they and have, that, that was a big effort. I mean, that, that that's a big effort. That's there's the a lot of emotions game. that were spent there. I can't undo what I saw in the first half of that football game. Nope. Um, you you have inexperience all over the place. Sometimes that's good, but I just don't think so in this case. And while there is the danger that the Chiefs might be like, all right, well, who are these guys here? You know, we are the Chiefs. We do Super Bowls. I just don't think for 60 minutes Jacksonville can hang around like this and avoid the blowout, especially when there's, I think, disrespect put on this line. At the very least, Amala should have been 10 or 11. You, you I, get, I had 13 and a half. It's eight. I'm you gonna... give me a lot of information there. All great stuff. Yeah. Mine is simple. You know what Andy Reid's record is coming off a of bye week? It would have to be splendid. 28 and five. Yeah, I mean. So you don't need to be good at math to know that's a very high percentage. <laughs> I'm going... Yeah, I just don't. I I don't this is not a game the Jags can win I think in my opinion and I hate to say that because I love what they've done this season no I love I've listen, got a couple guys that have trained on that team I don't but, have a horse know, in this weird. race as a fan so I want a good football game I just think to me this game there's a reason it's the first game on Saturday I think when they do the yeah. schedule they're looking and going you know what this one has the potential 4 30 on a Saturday some people go to church they're going out to dinner right uh, yeah put the cheap yeah. Jags on and yeah. I, I have a feeling this one feels so 34-17-ish to me, so give me the Chiefs with you. I'm All right, we agree on that one. So then we go to a great night game. I'm excited, um, an NFC East game, and again, I'm going to stick up for our division, three mm-hmm. out of four of the NFC finals. I, yeah, you, you definitely were the division this year. This is a game that's interesting to me because of two things. One, as you always point out, it's the third time. Now, I did do a little research. There's been 24 instances of teams in NFL history going for a three-game sweep. Mm-hmm. You know what the record is? I'd love to know. 15 and nine for the team that gets the sweep. So the old mm-hmm. the old wives' tale, if you will, of it's very hard to beat a team three times. Mm-hmm. Well, 62 and a half percent of the time, it happens. Yeah. But but here's what I find interesting in this game. I think the hidden story here is Jalen Hurts is not a hundred percent. And so that leads to two things happening in this game. Either the Eagles run Hurts anyway against, you know, better judgment, and he stands the potential to aggravate or injure that shoulder again, which is a problem. Or they say, we know he's not 100%, and we're going to play a different game than we've played all season to get here. Mm -hmm. I think this number's high. I think the Eagles, in the end, probably win a very close football game. But the Giants are playing really good football right now. They It's the third time they've seen the Eagles. Jones played a, at a high level last week. His legs are a problem. He can move. The Eagles have the best pass rush in the league. It's nice to have a mobile quarterback that can hopefully get out of a few pickles. I'm going to grab the Giants with seven and a half, thinking that this is an old NFC East game, 27-24, 24-21, Eagles win it late. 
Yeah, I'm going on the opposite side of you on this one. Okay. Not with a tremendous amount of confidence. I just think the Giants maybe shot up all their guns last week. That's been a tremendous season. Mm -hmm. Uh, I just think they're up against a team who is really, really good. Got rest and needed to rest. Another week for Jalen Hurts. Uh, Maybe other guys that are banged up. Just think the Eagles, what they do is really, really tough for the Giants. And yes, the Giants are playing really good football, but I just think they match up really well against this. So you think the familiarity will help the Eagles? And and you're actually, by the way, as I just pointed out, you're going with the statistical. Most fans don't realize that. You're on the side that happens most of the time. Teams get the I am, and I'm sticking to the principle of if I think a team, outside of it being an absurd point spread, which is not – this number is lower than I thought it was going to be. I thought we'd get nine or nine and a half of Philadelphia. If I think this team's going to win, I'm going to I'm going to roll with the spread as a favorite. So I understand. Um, that's kind of what I'm doing here with Philadelphia. It was a 48 to 22 game the first time this year. Um, they embarrassed the Giants. You would think the Giants would then, if they had the means, be able to win the game in the rematch. They were not able to. And I just think now as a rested team with a Giants team off of a, you know, I don't want to say an emotional win, but a win maybe they shouldn't have gotten. Or, well, they you know, certainly didn't expect. Listen, they, they could tell you, and maybe in the locker room because athletes are different. But no one in New York outside of the Giants' locker room expected the Giants to win a playoff game this year. So, yeah, I mean, the Giants win this game. Watch out; they might end up in the Super Bowl. It might be that Eli team that you know upset the Patriots. It might be that type of deal. I just don't like. I don't see them getting their way against that Eagles defense. Could be wrong. I'd love to see okay. the Giants do that, but listen, I'm I don't have a ton of confidence on my side. I'll yeah. admit, but but I, I'm I'm going like you heard my reasoning. So we'll see who's right there. Now we hit the next game, which this is the game. Believe it or not, I most struggled with this week because I could see a couple things happening. Buffalo is home, giving five and a half to the Cincinnati Bengals. I'll let you go first here. A big part of me in digesting both of these games as I watched them. And I I had to watch the Cincinnati Buffalo game last night because I wasn't able to see it live. Baltimore, Cincinnati, Baltimore, Cincinnati, Baltimore. Sorry. Um, I kept thinking, all right, Cincinnati might have a chance in a game Mm -hmm. against Buffalo. And then after watching both of those games, because I watched them back to back, I said to myself, okay, I'm gonna put Buffalo here at seven, seven and a half, and it and it came at it came at five, mm-hmm. I think it might be four and a half now. Five and a half right now. Five, five and a half. Yeah, and I just think that number's too low, Abel, to say to 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 say Cincinnati. You know what I mean? Um, I'm just gonna ride with Buffalo here. I'm gonna ride the wave of the Josh Allen. I just think it's a home game. I think there's gonna be a lot of emotions. Your name there. is your name is Chalky. I'm I'm chalk this week. The emotions are going to be running high there. You could have a DeMar Hamlin at the game. This is the actual team that he was playing against when, you know, that situation occurred. I just think there's a lot here for Buffalo, intangible-wise. Oh, and by the way, you do have a really, really good you roster. Know what? This game I struggle with, and, you know, it's going to be another one where we're going to have some fun at least this week. I'm going to be on the other side of this game for a simple reason, you know, I a lot of people are going to look at Cincinnati's offensive line situation and figure, you know, Burrow's going to be running for his life. But let's mm-hmm. be honest, that was the case last year. Burrow got sacked nine times 
in the game against Tennessee, and mm-hmm. they won the game. Yeah. Here's the reason I'm going to roll with the Bengals. I think they have the better coach, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. And I think they got the better quarterback. And Burrow, late, yeah, you, you yeah. can't really argue with that. No, I think I think Burrow's a guy that just figures out how to get things done. And this may be ugly again. It may be Buffalo sacks him seven times. But the thing I like about him is he doesn't seem to turn the ball over. He'll get sacked seven times. He'll take his mm-hmm. losses. But he'll live to play another play, throw the ball to a Jamar Chase, or get a big play. And I think that they're just going to be a pest in this game. They may lose it in the end. I mean, I think they can win. I didn't really like the way that they played their game against Baltimore. There were mistakes there. They looked haphazard. There were Oh, no, that was a sloppy game. And, again, I said previous segment, I'm writing a little bit of that off because it's a division game. Yeah. Third time they see each other. They see each other twice every year. So I think that that's the kind of game. And Baltimore drags you into those games. That's the way Baltimore likes to play. When you sure. play the Ravens, they get you in the mud, and they want that ugly game, kind of like every Ravens-Steelers game seems to be 16-13. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that's the case here, and I think that he'll do enough to keep them in this football game all day. And I just don't like the way Josh Allen's playing. Mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, even if the Bills have the better overall roster, if he puts the ball on the ground a couple times, who knows? Right. No, um, you might be right there, man. I just feel I'm just feeling Buffalo in this okay. contest. And yeah. then finally, we go to the creme de la creme of the weekend. We have the 630 Sunday game, the 49ers and the Cowboys, two storied franchises, 49ers, three and a half point home favorite, the ninth time tying an NFL record. And I think the other series was Raiders Steelers. I'm not 100 percent. But this is the ninth time the 49ers and Cowboys have met in a playoff game. Ties mm-hmm. the NFL record. Um, you go first since I'm a no, Cowboy No, look at this guy. I probably shouldn't go first, but um, Amol, why is this line three? Three and a half. Why? What do you want it to be? You know good and damn well this line shouldn't be three. I'm going to, like, I'm going to, this isn't my sole reason. I'm going to actually undo what I said earlier about the odds makers here. And like, this is, this is a little strange for me. This is a little strange for me. I think uh, if I'm, if I'm just going on. To I pure, put this at six. Uh, definitely higher than three and a half. That's yeah, for sure. I, I, when I, I figured I'd get six. We're being told something here, but if I just do it on the pure football, I saw Dallas defense on Monday Against Tampa, that's going to be a really big problem for a Brock Purdy. That's what I saw. So a pass rush that's going to be that's going to be a, a really really big problem. Um, going to be tough sledding, probably trying to run that ball even with a McCaffrey. And then you're kind of taking some chances into that secondary that can really be a problem for you because there's some ball hawks back there. Um, you know, we already know what Trayvon Diggs can do. Uh, We've seen what you were able to, I mean, you've got a Malik Hooker back there that can get his hands on the football. So when you combine the pressure to hurried decisions, I think this is where we finally see a crack in the Brock Purdy mania. I just don't think this is uh, the kind of defense that he needs. This is a bad matchup for that guy and this team. I will say this, and and this is where being a fan, you, you, you don't understand what coaches are doing. You know, as a fan, I was losing my crap and you know it. Mm. That la- the way Dallas played that last week against Washington, mm-hmm. just because I didn't, I didn't care if they lost the games. It wasn't that meaningful, but just how they look like garbage. 
But I realized the genius of Dan Quinn. He had some issues at DB. He he has this bland kid who was a steal in the fifth round mm. that he can put outside, but he needed another corner because they've lost Anthony Brown and Lewis for the year during the season to and injuries. He put Mullins from Arizona in that mm. game. And, and mm. frankly, I could have got you off your couch and mm. the coverage would have been similar. They did wasn't his best game for sure. But he was trying combinations. And the genius of Quinn is in this game Monday night. He, he got his best players on the field in combination. He took a safety, and I for, I can't say the kid's name from South Carolina. Big kid, was a corner at South Carolina. Israel Mus- Yes. Dallas drafted him as a safety, but he put him in, in a position to play. Well, he spot. was a corner in college. Correct. So it's not totally foreign. But that kid wasn't. In other words, I'm a fan. I don't know this. That kid's not playing that much on Sunday against the Washington, but mm. Quinn had a plan. He brought in Xavier Rhodes, not the player he was years ago. Mm-hmm. but can still be better than Mullins. You so, got some veteran. You got some yeah. veteran. Type so again, I, I I think this game, I, I went and did some research. I wanted to make sure I wasn't being a fan because I've been good at picking Cowboy games this year. So here's the teams Brett Purdy has played against. It's funny you mentioned, I think he's the key to the game. Well, let's call him Brock. Brock let's not me. call him out of his name yet until right. Saturday. I Because mean, I do that with the kid from Houston all the time. Yeah. Davis. What do I keep calling him? What's Davis Mills is the kid's name. Yes. What, did, what do you call him? <laughs> David. He's David to me. Yes. Purdy played against the Dolphins. They had the mm-hmm. number 23 defense points allowed. Played against Tampa, number 13. Seattle, oh, man, you did, you did that kind of research. Number 25. Mm-hmm. Played against the Commanders. Now, they were seventh in points allowed. Then he played against the Raiders, 26. The Cardinals, 31. So, essentially, he didn't play. He played one defense that was top 10 in points allowed. And it was a, a Commanders team that was offensively challenged most of the season. I'm going to take the Cowboys reluctantly because you know I hate to feel this way. Yeah, I know it. I know it. You just as soon put an X on this. I, I Too just, bad you don't have a son on the Cowboys. You could have just bowed out of bowed this. Up. But no, I just really feel like, you know what? Dak showed me a lot. He was dealing on Monday night. That game did not bother him the week before. He was just like, I'm, if, he, if that Dak. He was should, very smooth, man. He was. He was if that Dak point. shows up. Yeah, they'll win the game. Yeah, that's a that's a problem. I'm listen. I am right now for the sake of my texting SMS service. Hope to God that Dak Prescott plays a good game in this game, or I'm going to get unlimited texts from my partner here. No, no, here's the problem with the texting service, and he should listen to this podcast. Your brother is a troublemaker. <laughs> you got to block him on Sunday. Yes, he, yes, and and God forbid. The 49ers dominate this game, <laughs> then it will be. Yeah, I forgot those forces were at work a 49er fan yes. and a Cowboy fan um, in the same chat. So that's going to get totally interesting. But I love the way Dak looked. We already know about the, the one two punch in the running game. They use it well. Um, I wish there was one more big time receiver, but you know what? I think you'll be just fine. You'll be able to run the football. It um, seems like the loss last year might be good for Dallas in this game. I mean, not that you need extra motivation. I'm not saying it that way. Mm. But, you know, if anything, maybe maybe the 49ers come in slightly overconfident in this game. They've won 11 in a row. The the you know I've heard people saying the next Joe Montana the Purdy mania is 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 going. Listen, crazy. if Purdy gets through this Dallas Cowboys defense, oh, yeah. I think you really that might be the guy you got to roll with next year. I mean, whatever happens beyond that point, I think you really got to 
think long and hard about this being your guy. Well, they're going to put him in some situations that if he can navigate and win this game, I mean, Dallas is going to get after him. They think have- about what you could do with the rest of your roster if your starting quarterback, your guy, your franchise guy was Mr. Irrelevant. You can do a lot of things with your Oh, roster. yeah. Listen, I, I think, if, like you said, this is an interesting – Dan Quinn's a, a defensive savant. He'll bring pressure. He'll he'll blitz judiciously, not crazy, but he'll bring some some different blitzes in this game, and his front four can get after him. So yes. Purdy's going to have to make some throws under duress. And like you said, there's some ball hawks. So if he gets through this game, we're going to have to give the kid his due. Definitely. Yes. Definitely. So – that's where we're at. That was interesting. I was wondering if you were going to go 49ers on that. So let's just mark this down. He takes Dallas. In you thought state. I was going to mentally hedge. You figured I, he's just going to mentally I, hedge this. I don't know. The way you were sounding on that phone as they were beating the Buccaneers sideways, I wasn't sure that you believed this team was going to get, you know, this was going to you be. You know what I'm starting to believe at certain points in history? You know, before we sign off, I think in every sport you see this. I just think certain times. It's it's someone's time, mm. you know, like when the Cubs won the World Series, it was just their time. You know what I mean? They had all the forces came together. They had yeah. that roster. And I think that it might just be Dak's time to win one of these games. It feels like he's paid his dues. He's been a good guy as far as he's a good guy. Like he's just mm. a good guy. It feels like maybe he's Steve Young 30 years ago and Steve Young. You might be right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you know? No, there may be something to that. So both of us are on the Cowboys. And uh, those are our picks. I hope you wrote them down. I was four and two last week. Amo was five and one. Why not? Why not fly with us again this week? So uh, we wrapped up this NFL thing. We uh, talked about the the the, the storylines, which is you know really something that needs to be had, I guess, for the the burgeoning NFL uh, business, the billion dollar business that must suck people from all of their streaming services. So yes. We're headed for a really, really great weekend. We've given you the picks, what we think. And uh, I hope you guys all enjoyed that. So, yeah, good uh, luck. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the football. We're winding down here. So, definitely, definitely enjoy the Watch them all. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'll be front and center checking them all out this week. So, that's it. That's our time here for Amo Calamita. I'm Chad. Oh, first of all, well, last of all, uh, don't forget to join us over there on the Gridiron Stud Show page on Facebook. Go over there, become a fan. It won't hurt you. And we'll do some really, really good things on there for you. Who knows, man? Maybe we run some contests and some polls and all that good stuff there. In the show. We'll so make sure kinds of stuff. Yeah, you become a fan of the Gridiron Stud Show on Facebook. All right, that's it. For Amo Calamina, I'm Chad Wilson. Thanks for watching and listening to the Gridiron Stud Show. We'll talk to you guys next week. Have a good weekend.